god. Oh yes. Oh yes. Oh yes. Oh yeah. <laughs> anyway, welcome to the Optimized Podcast. We are optimizing for all the current music fairs and sharing it with you. How are you, Theo? I'm good. Yeah. How how are you doing? How are you doing, Josh? I'm good. How, how are you doing, Theo? I'm I'm good. Well, <laughs> <laughs> welcome back to the It's Too Hot podcast. Um, it is like thirty odd degrees outside, and I'm absolutely dying over here. Um, you know, you would you would think for nearly at the top of the hemis- hemisphere that we wouldn't have such good bad heat. But there you go. So, so today we are joined by Paul Wilson, as we said in the last podcast, um, aka my dad. So, uh, would you like to the one, the only, <laughs> the one, the only with two hundred fifty million networks? Legend oh. himself. So, would you like uh, to tell us a bit about yourself? Oh, then? okay. I'll tell you a little bit yeah. about myself. As you said, I'm Josh's dad, or more correctly, I'm Josh's roadie. <laughs> <laughs> That's what I do. Um, I'm a guitarist. I'm a songwriter. I'm based in South Wales, um, and I play with various bands and play various different styles of guitar and um do my level best to keep up with joshua <laughs> so what, what do you mean by that <laughs> oh <laughs> well it's just uh just trying to keep up with him in just general playing and um just yeah <laughs> just it's what we dads do <laughs> <laughs> anyway should we awesome. get into some questions then yeah um, would you like to go first I just yeah, I would. I just wanted to say like um Paul Paul should I should I call you Paul or Josh's dad? <laughs> <laughs> call me Paul. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Cuz that was a que- that was my first question. Uh, yeah, Josh no, if you'd like no, I'm joking. Um so I guess I kind of want to talk about your guitars first. This isn't really on the list, but like Brad. How many guitars do you actually own? Uh oh gosh. Um well, you can never have too many. I'd have to say. So I think I've got about. Oh yeah. I think I've got about a dozen different types. About uh, it, yeah. All told. So, like, what's your favorite like type of guitar? I guess. I, I don't. I don't really have a favorite type. I mean, it depends what you're playing. Um, so, I, I tend to gravitate towards the more traditional stuff. So, uh, Gibson's, Fenders, uh, Paul Reed Smith. Um, there's a very nice old Schecter that I use sometimes, but that's essentially, that's a Stratocaster just made by another company. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I, I don't really, I'm not one for the sort of the modern shapes, the the fancy headstocks and the flying Vs and things like that. It's really old school. Stuff. Yeah. What, like Ibanez with, um, yeah. what they call Floyd oh, Rose or something? Don't, don't start. Don't start. <laughs> you can get um, close to the mic. It's not, yeah. it's not mm-hmm. scared. Yeah, I was, I was going to say, because it might like barely pick it up, unless you turn the gain up to like, Two hundred percent. Come to where okay, I am. So I'll speaking. lean. I'll lean in a bit. How's that? Yeah. That's yeah. Well, that's yeah. much better. <laughs> I, okay. I, I can't even hear it, but okay. yeah. So. Uh, okay. So my first question: um, What's your f- favorite guitar that you've like owned or like have now? Favorite guitar that I have now. Well, my favorite guitar is, is the one that means the most to me is the nineteen seventy nine Fender Stratocaster, and that was my first electric guitar. And that was bought for me by my parents. When Ooh. I was, oh gosh, I was younger than Josh when that was bought for me. Um, and I think it was £285, <laughs> I think it cost, brand new. Um, I think a lot more than that now. <laughs> was it um, like back then, like 
the prices of guitar like you didn't have like beginner guitars like we do now like 90 pound guitars you know weren't like the prices like high for just for a beginner guitar if you know what i mean um no i mean you you always had fairly you know you had inexpensive guitars as well um i think this was just a, a an opportunity that we had at the time to have the guitar um we i'd been playing a bit and i'd started to play shows and uh, yeah there was just an opportunity to come up with it um even by those standards, it's still not the most expensive guitar in the world. I mean, if you go back 10 years uh, and you start talking about a 1969 Strat, um, prices were quite high then. Yeah. Um, when, like, I mean, so on to you playing shows, I guess. Mm. When did you start, like, playing? First of all, when did you just start playing music and guitar in general? Right. Like, do you, do you have an age or a year? Do yeah, you remember? I, yeah, I remember it. I was, I think, I was six when I got my first guitar, um, and it was a little uh, Russian steel string acoustic, had a very high action, very narrow neck, very difficult to play. It's not the one at Grandma's house, is it? No, 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 no. Oh. no. Um, I don't actually know what's happened to it, um, but it was very small. It was, it was like almost like a three quarter size thing, um, and I, I learned two chords, uh, A minor and E minor, and I used to sit on the step. Um, in in the hall um just playing these two chords over and over and over again hours and hours and hours on it i must have driven everybody around the bend with it um but that's that's e e minor and a minor all over again yeah yeah yeah, yeah. imagine yeah that's that's my first recollection of of a guitar um uh, yeah six i would say i think so uh if you could have one guitar one amp and three pedals you you can stretch it to four if you want, but three. Um, <laughs> yeah. Include a tuna paddle. Three or four. Include a tuna if you want one. Um, what would they be? Uh, okay. 1962 Stratocaster. I think without a doubt. Um, I'd say an amplifier, 1959 Fender Bassman. Uh, pedals. Pedals are always tricky. Um, I would say... Probably slightly newer pedals, I would I would think, because the technology and the, the way they're manufactured is is, is a little bit better. Um, so I quite like the Cali compressors. Um, Seventy six. Yeah, yeah, I think they're really nice. Drive pedals. There are so many. Uh, I use an old Butler tube driver, and I, and I quite like that. Um, so I would probably stick with that. Uh, and again, probably uh, I've got a very old um, Color Sound Wah, which is ancient. Uh, one of the first pedals I ever had, and I still think that's probably the best wah pedal there is. So I'd probably go with those those three. That's a, that's a pretty pretty good answer <laughs> if you ask me. Um, why like? Because obviously there's different Fender guitars. Mm-hmm. Why the Bassman over like a deluxe reverb or whatever? You know, uh, it it harks back to just that old bluesy tone. And and when they made the Bassman, um, I don't think it was that great as a bass amp. Um, but a lot of guitar players discovered that if you played a put a six string through it, it responded really well, um, and that's just that's just that lovely. Well, it's sound. actually a bass amp. Right? Yeah, originally, yeah, bass amp. Oh. But do they make it an electric guitar amp, I guess, or is well, it still a bass amp? I mean, these days they manufacture it as the bass man, um, but the ge- generally what tends to happen is that people stick electric guitars into it. It's a bit of an odd combination, but it's just the one I like. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, um, when I guess, uh, I mean, we could talk about 
more gear. Have you got any questions about gear, Josh? Because um, I don't think I have. Uh, no, I've got questions on the Les Paul, which is behind us, but that's... Ah, yeah. yeah. Mm. I've got stuff with... Um, so, obviously, you said the first guitar that you were mm-hmm. that you got was the Strat, and yeah. you still have it to this day, I believe. Yes, I do, yeah. Yes, you do. Um, so, <laughs> the question was, nowhere. what was your first guitar? <laughs> <laughs> the question is, is what was your first guitar that you were in love with? But like, that's it. <laughs> that's, yeah, it's, yeah, it's just the Strat. So yeah. is it? I guess you prefer. I'm gonna say prefer Strats because you you obviously love all guitars because, well, they're all amazing. But like, what what's the what's the, what's your, I'm just gonna ask you straight. What's your favorite um, style of guitar? Uh, yeah, I would still stick with the Strat overall. Um, you I still mean, stick with the Strat? Yeah, I mean, I use, say, as you know, I use Les Pauls, I use PRSs, a, a really lovely old Telecaster. Um, but I tend to go back to the Strat. I just think that's kind of, I think that was when they really got it right. If you look at modern guitars these days, yeah. they're all variations on a theme. You know, you, you, your Charvels, your Jacksons, um, Schechter. Or Ibanez. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, and then go into the boutique makers, people like Tom Anderson, John Sur, uh, Rudy Penser, guys like that. There's still basically variations on those original designs. I mean, okay, not everybody would agree with me. I could, I can hear the howls of outrage now. But, uh, <laughs> Comment section is just <laughs> on fire right now. But, um, yeah, but but I feel that there's still variations on a theme, and you've got a Telecaster shape, you've got a Les Paul shape, you've got a Stratocaster shape, and they're generally the ones that most you can trace the lineage back to those shapes i would say yeah yeah i mean i obviously the telecaster was the first i guessed commercially like advertised electric solid body electric guitar that design so, yeah yeah i think it broadcast yeah, so first but yeah i would say everything's based off that but the strat is i guess in different way in ways very different to the a tele Mm, um, although yeah. they do use single coils, you know the contours and the strat is very different to the tele. But yeah, I mean yeah. The, the the Telecaster essentially when it started, say before it became the Telecaster, was essentially two planks of wood um, and yeah. flat, the log, no, no contouring, um, single coil pickup, um, very very simple, very effective mass produced guitar. And I think when they started to evolve it and then they started to develop the Strat and all of a sudden you're looking at three pickups rather than two pickups. Um, and okay, when they made them first, you still only had three, a, th- a three pickup selector. You could either use neck, bridge or, or middle. Um, it was just that little bit different and it was such a radical design. Uh, you know, nobody had really seen anything quite like it um, when these guitars started to come out. Yeah. Ah. Ah, <laughs> ah. Uh, the mic's not scary, by the way, so you can get close. Okay, right. Mics are scary. I'm a guitar player, I'm not a singer. I'm literally eating the mic at the moment. Yeah, yeah. The, the you know, you're gonna get that, am, that nice podcast sound. <laughs> I, I have this pathological shy away from. Yeah, the mic I know you phone. don't do it, but like you have to get. <laughs> yep. All right. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Right. Sure. right. Um, question three. So we're moving away from gear a bit here. Okay. But um, uh, what's your favorite genre of music to play? Oh, I always go back to the blues, always. Yeah, <laughs> yeah it, it's it to me. It, it's I think it's one of these these genres that um, it's timeless, um, and it's I think sometimes it's a little misunderstood. You you hear a lot of uh, you, I'm sure everybody does, but you you see a lot and hear a lot of uh, people that you know they say they play the blues, um, and it's a different. 
it's not quite that old school blues. Yeah, and, yeah, yeah. And to me, it, it's come back to that every single time. Yeah. Um, I w- I guess yeah. The blues the blues is very fundamental in literally most genres of music, like with the one four five and whatever the chord progression and stuff. Did that? I guess did that originate from the blues? The one four five chord progression. Obviously, no, it didn't originate from like the music theory, but I guess you know it it was popularized in the blues and yeah. But um. <laughs> Um, that's like what? <laughs> I'll leave that to you. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I'll, I'll. No, I, I'll I, I, I love the whole history of it. Um, you know, not not just the music, but if you if you take it back to to you know where it started and 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 you know, the importation of sort of traditional songs from Africa into the US and 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 um, that whole um, that that sort of whole environment and that that explosion of. of of styles and music and passion and, and lifestyle and everything else that came out of it. Um, it to, to me, it's just, it's just fundamental to everything that we do in, in modern music today. Yeah. Well, um, speaking about, speaking about music, even though this entire podcast is about music, um, can you like, can you actually read like sheet music? Because I'm, <laughs> I've, I've wanted, I've, I was going to ask this question, like as we were speaking like a couple right. hours ago, but can you like i guess sight read from music and do you think it's like beneficial to to giggers to learn to sight read i think it's it's absolutely essential if you're going to do anything with music um yeah. these days um to be able to understand and to be able to read music um i i can read it i'm not a great sight reader i'm very slow um and i went down the lazy path as a guitarist and and did it all by ear um when I was growing up, we didn't have, we didn't have YouTube, we didn't have videos, we didn't have instructional things. You had a tape, an old magnetic tape with music on it, and you'd spin it back and forward and spin it back and forward and try and work out the pieces and each guitar phrase by ear until you could play to it. Um, I, I th- it's it's a regret that I didn't pursue the music theory more than I did. I did a basic qualification in it when I was at school. Um, and if push comes to shove, yes, I could read it, um, but no, I'd never, I'd never class myself. So you as wouldn't a be able to reader. like, let's say, walk into a studio. You've got a set number no. of songs, and you wouldn't be able to just like, no. read it off the bat. No, I couldn't do that. And it's that old, you know, old adage about how you get a lead guitarist to stop playing. Give him shit. Yeah, yeah, music. yeah. It's joke, what yeah. you do. Um, so it's to me, it's very important. I'd encourage anybody that that really does want to make a. Make a career out of it, particularly in this day and age, to yeah. to be able to sight read. You, you just never know. The whole industry, I think, has changed so so much just in the very sort of short time that that I've been playing music. Um, you know, the labels don't don't support and encourage artists anymore. The sort of explosion of media and and the fact that in your in your spare bedroom you can have massive recording capabilities through you know different projects and things like that yeah um, that's all great but when push comes to shove if you want to be able to go out and play you have to be able to go out and play um mm. and and you know if you you're looking at uh, a career you're looking at wanting to be a musician i would absolutely say being able to read music is is critical to it you never be able yeah. to work never be able to work as a guitarist or a musician if you can if you can sight read yeah um like 
I guess it. Well, you will be out of work, but you know, all musicians are out of work. <laughs> but you know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, do you like? This isn't another question. It's just kind of to do with, because with schools and qualifications and mm. stuff. I obviously me and Josh aren't at the stage where we we've got a qualification yet uh, because of our age, obviously. But um, do they do they like involve anything to do with actual sight reading? Like, do they because they obviously teach you about chords like dominant seven, whatever chords. But do they mm. actually teach you anything about sight reading? Well, when I was studying it, we we did a bit of sight reading, um, um, but it was more about the theory and the structure of it. It was more about you know recognition of the notes the pauses, the rests, terminology, things like that. There wasn't very yeah. much in the way of um, in the way of actually sitting you down with a piece of music and saying, right, play that. Um, now, that could well be that that was just because as far, that's as far as I went with the qualifications, and obviously I don't have a particularly high qualification in music theory. Um, but certainly my experiences of it were that it was... Um, that it was it was based more around a knowledge of what was on the page necessarily rather than actually translating what was on the page to what was coming out of the guitar. Um, I think also the way I see you guys and what you're able to do in school um, compared to how music was taught when I was at school, there's a world of difference. Uh, you know, when, yeah. when, I, when I went to school, it was, um, you know, you had to learn the recorder whether you wanted to mm. or not. Um, mm. and you, you, you didn't have the opportunities to the way you guys the way I've seen you guys do where you can go in and work on projects and pick your own things and develop your own styles of music and, and pick contemporary artists that you like to do that we didn't have those well, you'd have not much free room then no free no I, I actually got banned from the music room <laughs> why <laughs> uh, I, I was a bad influence apparently uh, it, it was only because i there was a school cello and i'd worked out how to play smoke on the water on the cello <laughs> and, they, and believe That's me such that, a meme that that was not complicated seriously uh but but it was um it was then frowned upon so again it was a very traditional sort of um set way of doing music so anybody that turned up that wanted to do things a little bit different that had a different interest in music that wasn't necessarily uh, fixed with you know your particular uh, contemporaries in school um, or the way they taught music, uh, y yeah, you you were a bit of an outsider, which is not a bad, not mm. a bad place to be. I think sometimes. <laughs> wow, well, that's I mean, I because I guess classical stuff was taught taught more than blues back, like when you did it. Well, they didn't teach like, any. Let's say they didn't really teach anything contemporary. Um, it really was a very much a case of you know you sit down and you do you be given a recorder part to to learn um, or to play. You'd have to learn it from um, from music or you'd be asked to create something. But generally speaking, it was it was very very regimented and very very. There wasn't a lot of room to be creative, shall we say? It was more a case of yeah. That's what's in the curriculum. That's what you have to do. Well, um, if you have to play recorder, you play this or something. Yeah, like that. <laughs> yeah. So I, it was. It, I mean, I got a little bit of slack because I could play the guitar mm. at that point. Um, so I was able to come in and instead of being in the, I don't know what you call it, the school band or the school orchestra playing, you know, a, a recorder or yet another triangle or <laughs> you know something like that. <laughs> I'd, I'd actually be able to play the chords on the guitar, so I'd get to play those. Um, but if you suggested that, yeah, actually, can we do, you know, Terraplane Blues or something like that? Nah, nah, never going to happen. Well, well then. 
Is the mic oh, yes. still scary? Am I still standing too far away, Mike? <laughs> yeah, because it's. I'm no, it's uh, no. I understand mic, where so he's like, because like yeah. if, if you if you get you further know. away, then you become more like ambient Animated. room noise. Mm. Right. Okay. So you need I'll to be about here. Okay. Right. Right. Okay. Right. So your Les Paul. My Les Paul. Yes. Oh, the baby. Could you um tell us more about it, like pickups, etc.? Yeah. Yeah. Um. So so that. That was a bit of a happy accident, that Les Paul. I bought that at an auction. Um, and it's a, it's actually a 1990 Les Paul Classic, which is the first year that uh, they were made. And it's, I think, number 200 and something of the run. It's um, oh. So the classics were Gibson's... In 1990, Gibson decided they wanted to try and do a reissue of the 1960 Gibson Les Paul. Um, so this was really their, their go at... Um, uh, doing a reissue Gibson Les Paul, so it's compared to sort of a modern one. It's it's quite old. It's really quite an old fashioned one. It's completely solid, so it has no weight relief in in the body at all. So uh, there were two ways that Gibson put weight relief into the guitar: they either chambered them, which they've done recently, um, or they yeah. did a weight relief where I think they drilled something like nine holes in the body, um, sort of a Swiss cheese kind of thing. And the idea was to balance the weight so that you didn't end up with trapped nerves in your shoulders if you played them. Um, some people say they can tell the difference. Some people say there's no difference. It, it's like so many things with a guitar. It's purely subjective. It's like tone wood. <laughs> we'll <laughs> we get into that in a minute. <laughs> um, it's, it's purely subjective. That's just happens to be the way I like to f the, the, the guitar. I like the idea of it being solid. Um, it's a solid mahogany body. It's a slim 1960s profile neck. It has the old school bridge on it. Um, say I bought it at auction. Its previous owner had put Grover tuners on it, which a lot of people did um, with the Gibsons in the past. Oh, I love Grovers. Your yeah. Epiphone's got Grovers, hasn't it? Um, <laughs> yeah, my Epiphone's got Grovers, believe yeah. it or not, for £500 Les Paul. Brilliant. Yeah, yeah. And, and I suppose the only other major difference with that particular Les Paul is that when I when I went to the auction, I noticed that the, the neck pickup was back to front, that the magnets were back to front. Um, yeah. Which sort of kind of set me thinking. I wonder. Um, it's it it's goes back to the whole Peter Green thing, um, and yeah. I had a feeling that somebody had modded the guitar and 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 changed the pickups. So I took it to um, chap that I normally ask to do my guitars, um, and he took the covers off for me, had a look at it, and inside it has Jason Lollar um, Imperial Peter Green pickups, and it's wired the way Peter Green has his guitar. Now that's not to say that. I play like Peter Green. I certainly don't. Um, <laughs> yeah. But it gives you that opportunity to have that little out of phase sound that he gets by moving the switch into the center pickup. Yeah. Uh, sorry, the center position. So you. Um, so it's a bit of a happy accident. Um, but I I love the guitar, um, and it's the only Les Paul that I that I have. I, I had a, a gold top uh, previously, which was a 2010 traditional. You had so, a blue one as well, didn't you? Oh yeah, I had a blue one. Yeah. So, <laughs> Had a blue one as well, um, <laughs> but that's that, oh. the one I have is my favorite one. So, um, I would blue and the gold top of gold. Let's kind of get more onto um, uh, inspirations because Peter Green and stuff. Would mm. who who would you say is your biggest inspiration, like guitar wise, not so much music? Oh gosh, um, well, there are so many. I think, and and it doesn't have to yeah. be, uh, you know, you know, hugely successful guitarists. I suppose when I when I started first, um, I was listening to a lot of Shadows. So Hank Marvin was a, a guy that 
I was I, I thought was a really great player. Um, I then discovered Gain, um, <laughs> which is always dangerous. Um, Gain and distortion. <laughs> so I, I suppose the, the next major influence was Richie Blackmore, um, hence the white Fender Stratocaster. Um, yeah. I've never been a big fan of the sort of the ferocious, shreddy, tap, hammery kind of stuff. Um, yeah. Just not, you know, again, it's subjective. Some people like it. It's just not something I, I go with. Um, so uh, Mark Knopfler, another major influence. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Peter Green, huge influence. Lindsay Buckingham, fantastic guitar player, hugely underrated. Uh, Gary Moore, again, massively talented guitar player. Um, more latterly... Um, Joe Bonamassa, John May. obviously John. <laughs> oh Mayer. yeah, and I have to get Joe John. Bonamassa. I have to get John in. And John um, Mayer, yeah, yeah. Um, uh, so yeah, I mean, all of these guys. Uh, I think you take from them, you take inspiration from all of them. You you look at a sound that they come up with, yeah. or an idea, or a lick that they produce, or a song they write, or a style of playing. Um, and I think you then, you know, you try to aspire to to be able to play like that. I I, I don't think it's. I don't necessarily think it's a healthy thing to try and just copy somebody blindly. Um, yeah. I think you should always try to evolve your own style. Um, yeah, yeah. But so many styles are an amalgam of things that have inspired you as a player. Um, so, yeah, you go back to the fact that the Les Paul has, you know, that Peter Green phase. I, I can't play like Peter Green, but it doesn't stop me trying. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I mean, all manner of guitar players um, you pick up stuff from. Um I think so long as it's so long as it's in tune, so long as it's melodic, and so long as there's, you know, there's there's an element of skill, an element of feel and touch about it. it you can learn from anyone. Yeah, I guess like if you, um, as you were on about on about with the different inspirations, um, mm. like you, you take everything, you take stuff from different people, and you, I guess you create your own style. Mm. Like yeah. not not necessarily, it hasn't got to be greatly different from people like people from like peter green and stuff isn't gonna be greatly different but you just have these like little tweaks i guess that you that you do that just makes it makes it your your it's your improvisation not peter green's or yeah Mark Knopfler, it's, it's you know? your it's your interpretation of, of of something that they do um certainly in, it's sort of in my case uh it i don't do it as well as they did it um but i think you can you can draw from you can draw from anyone. You can draw an inspiration from anyone. Whether no matter what it is, I'll, I'll sit and listen to. For instance, I'll sit and listen to you and come <laughs> back downstairs from time to time. And how? What were you playing there? What, what mm. was that? Show me that. You know, it, it doesn't matter where you hear it, so long as you can. You know, you can you can draw something from it. And I think so long as you you're able to. I think what's important is 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 amalgamating it, if you will into your own style but being you know but playing in your own style learning to play in your own style you can play notes um i mean there's a little thing i did on brothers in arms where i, I played pretty much what's played on the album um and try to set the guitar similarly to the way mark Knopfler had it but it doesn't sound like mark Knopfler. it's it's just yeah. you know it's just my interpretation of it you know oh mm. <laughs> <laughs> So uh, I think this is my last question. I think Theo, you've got like one more. So yeah, I think so. Yeah. Uh, so um, you mentioned to me on the way home you have played some famous guitars. Could you um, uh, tell us more about that? Yeah, three three oh, guitars. Yeah. yeah, three guitars. Um, and I was very lucky. I I was working in London, and our office 
um, at the time was uh, on Hyde Park Corner. It was right opposite the Hard Rock Cafe and the museum. So I would spend most of my lunch hours, well, I'd spend every lunch hour down in the museum vaults in the Hard Rock Cafe and got to know them very well and got to know the, the curators quite well. And um, so there was one one particular week, I think it was just before Christmas, it was epically quiet. I went down and I was wandering around and I was standing in front of the um, psychedelic flying V that was owned by Jimi Hendrix that they have on display. Oh, wow. And the guy came up to me and he says, yeah, you're, you're, you're there again, aren't you? And I said, yeah, yeah. He says, well, there's no one around. Do you want to play it? So they took it off the wall for me and they let me play it. Um, even though oh, it was I've been out of tune um, and everything. Like, it was yeah. out of tune. It was back to front. <laughs> so so, uh, so then they let me play a, a black Stratocaster that was owned by Stevie Ray Vaughan. Um, and then oh there was a Sunburst Strat that I believe was owned by Dwayne Arman. Um, now, that's what's in the museum and that's what they say they are. And again, you know, people might disagree that those are the genuine articles. I'm pretty sure they are. Um, but I was very lucky to get to, to get yeah. to play the guitars. Um, and oh. yeah, yeah, that was quite, that was you, quite you a fun played... afternoon. <laughs> yeah, I can imagine. <laughs> Bloody hell. Um, I like the one, the strap by owned by Steve Ray Vaughan, like a black, not the strap, obviously, because no, 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 it was just he's a, got. Yeah, it was just it, it was, was just, just a, a black strap. Yes, yeah, a black strap, um, white pit guard, rosewood board, um, quite heavy high action, big big thick strings on it, and things like that. Fifteen million gauge thing. Yeah, but um, <laughs> yeah, and as again, these these are the these are these are what they put up on onto the exhibit exhibits. So you see, take them at face value, and and it's very hard with with guitars of any sort of pedigree. Um, you know, you can look on the internet and see, you know a guitar that's alleged to have been owned by Paul Kossoff or has been played by, you know, whoever. Um, and it's always very difficult to, to um, y- you know, to, to sort of prove any sort of um, lineage with them. But, uh, but yeah, these were in the Hard yeah. Rock Museum and I- I'm sure they were absolutely what, uh, what, they were, what they were. And so, yeah, it was a fun afternoon to do that. I wasn't allowed. Yeah. I wasn't what allowed. Li- I wasn't allowed to leave with any of them. I have to say, I had to put them back. Oh. It was just a nice afternoon. Well, to, to get to do it. <laughs> what do you like? Because um, uh, as you're on about the big thick strings on Steve Ray Vaughan's, mm. um, mm. like yeah. one of those strats, like <laughs> the, it, I, this is a bit like not off topic, but it relates to the question. Right. Uh, I guess tone, it's kind of like. It? string theory but not because it's not physics but it's like <laughs> here we go what do you so believe to... in um stuff to do with like if thicker gauge always is means better tone like what i guess what gauge strings do you use and do you like uh, i don't know I, I, th- I think in terms explain of, it no i mean i use a fairly standard 10 gauge string on on my guitars i think with strings it's whatever you're comfortable with what 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 suits you best um you know, there are guitarists that use very heavy tones and very heavy gauges, and, and it's well documented. Um, uh, you know, I think for us mere mortals, um, <laughs> yeah, a standard 10 gauge is absolutely fine. It suits me. Um, it's I, I like playing it. I'm comfy with it. Um, I, I know guitarists that use lighter gauges, eights and nines and things like that. Um, it's 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 yeah. just it's purely preference. It's whatever, whatever you feel comfortable with. And again, it goes back to 
to developing your own sound and playing your own style. You know, don't use a, st- a string gauge just because somebody else uses that particular gauge. Use it because that's what you yeah. like. Use it because that's what's comfortable. That makes the sound that that you like to hear. Yeah. Um. Okay. So this is a. This is not very controversial, but <laughs> you know, your your opinion. Might this is all my opinion, and, and you know everybody could disagree with me on anything. Yeah, well, that dislike if you like. <laughs> no, I'm joking. Please yeah, don't oh, screw yeah. us. <laughs> screw our video up in the algorithm. Um, right. Okay. What are your opinions on modern pop music, including like Taylor Swift? <laughs> I cannot, not John Mayer. Uh, Taylor Swift. Uh, you know Ariana Grande, Justin Bieber, all those. All like, those. Oh, Ed Sheeran. Oh, don't don't get me started. <laughs> Again, Bro. it's it, music's so subjective. Um, it, it's what you like. I, I'm not a big fan of modern pop music. I've, I have been stuck in my ways with music since 1972, probably. Um, so I'm not a big fan. I, 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 it doesn't mean that, for example, you, you mentioned Ariana Grande, okay? So I don't have any Ariana Grande albums. Um, but there's no denying that that lady can sing some. Um, so it's... It's it's purely you know it's a preference thing. I'm I'm not a big fan of modern pop music. I'm I, I like the music that I listen to a lot of the time. It doesn't mean I haven't listened to it. it just it kind of goes in one ear and out the other. To be honest, it's probably the best way to yeah. describe it. Um, I think it's I think it's changed, um, and I think that technology has perhaps given. Um, whilst technology is brilliant and, and it enables us to do things like yeah. this. It enables us to record yeah. very high quality uh, recordings on home studios. It enables you to, you know, create something in an evening, put it in an MP3, and send it across the world in seconds if you want to. Yeah, these things are yeah. all great, but I think you you also have to guard against the technology that takes away the the ability and takes away the skill. If you if you have a, a an auto tune process on a on a program. Yeah, that's great. It helps in the production, but if you're, if the only way you can sing, and I'm speaking as somebody that really can't sing at all, um, if the you know I can't sing, um, <laughs> well, you, you were right. Like, you can order. No, them, I sound like I'm in pain. You do, right? <laughs> yeah, I do. Um, <laughs> I really do. Um, you know, if you take away that, if if that becomes a crutch to 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 produce music for somebody that necessarily doesn't necessarily sing, but has an image and has marketing and things like that, then I think that does, that does a disservice to, to music. And I would rather hear, I'd rather hear something a little more raw, but a little more natural. Yeah. Who, cause speaking about autotune, who is that? A, like, I can't remember who it is. It's uh, an artist that would sing with autotune, um, with, not heavy autotune, so well, it's noticeable. <laughs> autotune, so it corrects all their pitches, I guess. Um, I don't know, and I certainly wouldn't like to say something in public about it because I'll end up getting sued. <laughs> no, but like, and then I think it was Madonna. Like I said, I remember. I'm sure it's fine. Yeah, there are there are various stories sur- surrounding. Mike can't. Pick sorry, there are various stories surrounding autotune. Uh, and various artists. I'm sure, you know, lots. It, it gets used a lot. It gets used in production a lot, I'm sure. Um, I, the, sort of the point I was making was that I would rather go out and and hear a really good singer um, belting it through a mic yeah. without 
yeah. all the fuss and bother. And I wonder sometimes that with modern technology, there are vast benefits that it brings, but I wonder also that maybe it's a bit of a double-edged sword and you maybe lose some of that that natural rawness and that natural vocal ability. Uh, not just It just takes it away slightly for my money. Yeah, okay. Um, wow, that was... Um, I think we might just bring <laughs> bring you on like every week and call this talk show The Wise Words with the Wilsons or some stuff. No, I really wouldn't like do that. that. <laughs> Next time you can, you can like eat the mic as well. <laughs> yeah, all right, I'll do that. No, just as I say, yeah, just next qualify. Time. These are just, you know, the ramblings of... of uh, of a not famous guitar player, um, and you know, well, very about two hundred fifty million networks. They're just, yeah. they're just my views of uh, on things, and and you know, everybody has their opinion and can disagree as much, um, you know, as they want to. It's just the way I see the world sometimes. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> can't well, help us. <laughs> I thoroughly enjoyed that because oh, I um, didn't really know much about like I guess your guitars and just. I guess your music career because I was I I was it I'm gonna Brief, yeah, I was interested because <laughs> I wanted to know you know where Josh it Josh was um not coming from where jo- Josh Josh was descending from you know but <laughs> um <laughs> well I think that's about it I think I, I think that's about all yeah. the... go on what are you gonna yeah, say no 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 it's okay you go on. Yeah. I, I um no I was I was about to end it I was about to say say oh, the end, it, end it end it end it go go. <laughs> Um, I think I think that's about all we have time for because we were reaching about thirty-seven minutes, thirty-eight minutes. That was about um same length as with Ashley Freeman, I believe. Ashley Freeman was like over like Something fifteen like, hours. Actually, no, yeah, no, that was like fifty-six minutes. Yeah, that was interesting. Um, yeah, thank you, Paul, for um being generous with your time and joining us. I uh, hope you enjoyed it. <laughs> yeah, I did. Thank um, you for asking me. Thank you. <laughs> Yeah, um, I've certainly enjoyed, um, and I know Josh is more importantly. Um, jo- wait, what? And I've certainly enjoyed, and I know Josh has learnt some stuff as well. <laughs> and more importantly, our followers. Um, if you want to see more, uh, just for the, the followers now. If you want to see more of Paul, um, Paul Wilson, uh, you can follow him on Paul underscore mu- du- no Paul. What is it? Josh, underscore, you know it. Paul <laughs> underscore W Music. Is it? Yeah, that's yeah, right. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Okay. It's, it's easy. It has a. Um, I, have, I have a pitiful, pitifully small number of followers because I don't begin to understand how this all works. So. <laughs> it's fine. <laughs> um, we we all learn, you know. Um, so I, I've added a link down in the description for you to check out his uh, music account. Um, I hope you've enjoyed today's podcast, everyone. Uh, please subscribe, like, comment, share. You know. Um, Follow us on Instagram, Music Central Productions, and the link is down below um, to our little website thing, whatever it is. I don't even know. It's just link tree, uh, that thing. <laughs> um, thanks all for watching or listening, wherever you are. And I guess we'll see you in the next podcast. Goodbye, everyone. Goodbye. And now here's a tribute from Paul playing some Peter Green.
Thank you.